Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. By Riverside. Welcome back to episode 93 of the Backside Ground Balls podcast. We're super excited to be back here on the pod. Happy 4th of July weekend to all of those that celebrate. And for anybody who has to actually work tomorrow like Dan and I on the 3rd of July and their departments don't give them off, enjoy the one day of work before having a Tuesday off and then a short week. But my name is Trevor Powers and I am joined by my co-host Dan Galati as well as our producer Phoebe. Dan, how are you doing on this fine Sunday evening? Good, doing well. Yeah, uh, everybody who has to work tomorrow, pop in your headphones, fire up the pod. We're here for you. We're not going to take, and we're not going to take off from the podcast either, Trev. We're here to serve the people and the listeners, and I hope they appreciate that a little bit. Does it suck we both have to work? Yeah, but there's a lot of people out there like that. I don't understand it. Uh, This is a conversation for another time, but how much productivity is getting done one day tomorrow? Nothing. Like you coming off a weekend, you have one day. No one's going to do any. So why even make people work? I don't know. That's, I mean, hey, that's a question. I mean, like if you, you have, you could actually go to your boss and ask that question. And it's not even about your boss. It's more about the people that work for in in your, yeah, your customers. For me, it's going to be a very unproductive day. There's nothing productive going to be figured out. I'm going to prioritize the podcast at work tomorrow and, and take my eight hours and then take my sorry self home and enjoy my one day of work and back to a day off and try to plan a good day on Tuesday. Look, big fan of, of the Go Camels, uh, Go Camels baseball and everything, but that's a questionable decision. Like it's the summertime. There's not kids walking around that campus. Why do you guys need to be on campus tomorrow? We got some campus visits, but wow. that's easy to block out. Like all you do is just block it out. Yeah, that's you exactly can't do what it you on do. That day. Who's um, taking their kids to a campus visit on July third? 
We got some schedule. We got some big big groups. I mean, it's a holiday, so like some that's where it, it, it does get weird is because parents have off on the third. So it's that's a day mm. that parents can bring students to campus mm. that are on summer break. So it is actually a pretty popular day in terms of being able to to bring students to campus. So that's understandable in terms of that. But all we would have to do, I'm sure there's a ton of schools across the country who just have it blocked out so that nobody can schedule a visit and you don't have to deal with that problem. But we didn't do that. We're, according to other departments on campus, we're the only department that's actually going to be on campus tomorrow. <laughs> so even if you want even more of a reason to not pay attention at work, that will be it. Well, and also like that further solidifies bad day to go on a campus tour. Nothing's going to be open. I mean, that's all summer. Yeah, but at least but. you run into some other people. Like I, because personally, back when and we're getting off here, but when like when we used to give visits, like I, I never like I always thought our visits were better when we would start having visits in the fall than in the summer because there's no one around in the summer. You know, like it's you don't get that that vibe, the feels of the of the campus and what it's like to be there when all the students are there. And so then in the summer in general, it's harder, but then have a day when only one department's open. It's going to feel like a ghost town there. I can't imagine. Yeah, you, gonna, get a good, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't imagine you get a good feel for it. I'm just going to put this out there and I know we're going to get a text about it after when the episode comes out, but Goldie Beacom's oh campus never had a life. Never, there was never a life on Goldie Beacom's campus. You just get traffic on, <laughs> on Limestone Road, and that's the only thing that you get to look at. Moving on. So I'm, I'm glad you guys scheduled visits when nobody was ever there. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> okay, well, since we did our little three minutes of, of distraction today, uh, we are going to get into some of the MLB baseball that was from the weekend that we just had. Um, some of the scores to that were the results from this past weekend. The Washington Nationals took two out of three from the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, The Philadelphia Phillies were playing really good baseball over their last 20, so obviously the Nats took advantage of a pretty good Phillies team. Cleveland takes two out of three from the Chicago Cubs. The Twins won the series against the Baltimore Orioles. Big series win for the Twins. They've started to play a little bit better baseball here of late. The Brewers take two out of three from the Pirates. Boston sweeps Toronto. Miami is welcome to the big leagues as they go to Atlanta and get swept by the Braves because as Frank the Tank from Barstool says, the Braves never lose. And I love that video every time I see it because it becomes more and more true uh, because they don't ever lose. Houston takes two out of three from the Texas Rangers. That's a big series win for the Astros. Detroit takes two out of three from Colorado in a series that nobody cared about. Kansas City takes two out of three from the Dodgers in in the surprise of the weekend. Arizona takes two out of three from the Angels as Otani continues his chase for 62 at the midway point, or we're a little bit past the midway point, I believe. 89th game this year, Shohei Otani hit his 31st home run. Aaron Judge last year hit his 31st home run on the exact same game. Dan's going to fact check me here, and I'm going to try to stall until he does. At what game it is for 86. 86th game of the year. Judge hit his 31st on the 86th game of the year. And for any of those who were wondering, yes, Shohei Odani does also pitch. Um, Oakland takes two out of three from the Chicago White Sox in the series out west that nobody cares about. 
Seattle takes two out of three from Tampa Bay. The Cardinals take two out of three from the Yankees. The Cincinnati Reds take two out of three as they continue to play great baseball from the San Diego Padres. And the Mets or Giants are currently in a rubber match. That is Sunday night baseball as the Giants are up one to nothing. So those are the results from the weekend that was. Dan, any thoughts that you have from, from the results there? Yeah, I mean, pretty just standard. We're you know we got teams getting into the All Star break. We're gonna you know things are gonna really pick up here in the next two weeks. Right next week, everybody's I think got six games, and then they'll head into the All Star break, and then that's when we really decide who's in it and who's not, and and the trade deadline will be quickly approaching after them. But I think you know we got the shape of it, and nothing really surprising this weekend. I mean, the Phillies and Dodgers fall asleep at the wheel. That's gonna happen. Uh, like you said, Atlanta shows Miami what it's like to play in the big leagues. Miami's having a good year. They've kind of been. One of the surprise and darling teams of the of the first half in Atlanta does not care about your storylines, does not care about your 20-year-old starting pitcher who's really good and might be the rookie of the year. They don't care about anything other than winning baseball games right now. Um, but I have a question um, yes. that, that this popped up on, on social media. Uh, and for our friend Dave from the, the Two and a Half Athletes pod um, – responded to a tweet and made this point, and I actually agree with them. Someone tweeted out, uh, Mookie Betts' contract um, from 2033 to 2044, uh, that would be Mookie Betts' age 40 through 51, he's going to make for the first five years $8 million, the next two ten, and then the last five $11 million. Deferred money. If you were a free agent, why wouldn't you – ask for deferred money. I'm asking you personally. Like if you were a free agent, wouldn't you want deferred money? Yes, because obviously it lengthens the the income that you have and and 11 million a year in retirement is really good. But you also have to factor in the fact that I would probably have a financial advisor who would tell me, you know, rate of inflation and, and things like that, the value of the dollar at that point in time, all of those things that obviously come into play when you're considering those things. Also, the fact, I don't know, I mean, this is actually really interesting, so maybe we could get a big leaguer on here. What's the 401k structure of an MLB organization? Are we putting a percentage a of, our, of our monthly no income idea. into a 401k? You know, Prob- and probably. that's obviously a large amount. And then obviously you probably have Although, investment accounts on top of that. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's something that's really interesting to wonder is is if that's something that's built into their contract. You know they have health insurance. You know they have all those things included in their contract. Do you think that they have a 401k structure? So when you factor in all these things is, yes, it does lengthen that out. But assuming you're financially savvy and you have a pretty good financial advisor – Maybe that money in real time would make sense, right? Because you're able to invest it the right way. Maybe put it into a property. Maybe put it into some things that would that would kind of give you value almost long term, just as much as eleven mil a year. But eleven mil a year to not play baseball and to be, you know, just a part of the Dodgers organization at that point on the payroll—that's also a pretty good retirement plan for me. So I see pros and cons to both of it, but I think that. Behind the scenes, I'm sure there's a reason why some do and why some don't take it. I know Max Scherzer took; he's still getting paid by the Nationals about half of what his contract was, um, as he's getting paid a lot of money from the New York Mets as well. 
Yeah, I just think that like that's what $120 million that Mookie Betts is going to make for 11 year, 10 years, 11 years after he's retired and probably done. Like you don't have to worry about like you see – you know, the NFL is so different because, you know, the average career of an NFL player is like four years or whatever. But yeah, I guess my like he doesn't have to go sit on Fox and do broadcasts like Mookie Betts is going to be cashing 11 mil, 10 mil a year, like to do whatever he wants to be retired. Like his kids are set like everybody's set up. Like I just yeah. would I would if I was a free agent, I would find it hard. Like if a team wants to defer that money because it helps them out and we can it'll help pay you know, other guys to come in and we can be competitive throughout the length of my contract. And you're, you're telling me when I'm 50 years old, I'm going to be making a hundred, like inflation or no inflation, like 11 mils, 11 mil. You're doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you're getting paid to do nothing. Like you're not, you don't yeah. have to show up ever. It's the same. I mean, I'm bet. sure they probably ask you to do some like events or something, but like, okay. Right. Even like, then, probably it, not because yeah, you took it, a, at this point in time on a technicality of that, you're taking a pay cut right now to defer that money. Yeah. So like Mookie Betts is worth what he's worth to the Dodgers organization. If anything, he's saying, hey, can you get me like some new, you know, whatever so that because I'm not making 30 mil right now, you might need to help me out with this with this home with this mortgage payment out here in in Southern California. This this economy's rough, you know, Mookie Betts is really out there roughing it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's really struggling paycheck to paycheck Mookie Betts is living. But like, you know what I mean? Like just for to me it's like But yeah, I'm when you factor in I don't the, have to do Team building on top of it, I see it. Like I could 100%. Like, yeah, we can get – we think we could get some Freddie Freeman in here if you defer your money. Like, yeah, sign me up, right? Like I, I don't th- – I think that's a no-brainer for guys. And then like the negatives of it is so- fully selfish, you know? Like that's all it is, especially if an organization's like we want to defer it to make us more financially flexible in this point in time and build our roster. Well, people get mad at me for saying this, but like you need to evaluate your lifestyle. If like instead you of making 30, 30 you're million. only making 19, right? Like you're only making 19, you know, if your contract's 30 mil, but we're deferring some of it so that 11 mil is 10 years down the road. Like if you can't live off $19 million, like take a look in the mirror. Sorry. Like what do you really need that that's like a problem for you? Yeah. So like for me, it's just like, oh, I can do nothing in my, like everything's set up and I'm retired and I don't have to worry about anything. And I'm 50 years old and I'm, I'm cashing checks. And like by, at that point when I'm 50, I don't care if the Dodgers win or lose. No, not at all. If my 11 mil coming off the books hurts them, so be it. Yeah. That's their fault. They did it. Right. So uh, it in other news of obviously deferrals of contracts and and there's probably an organization across the country, two organizations that would love to defer a lot of these contracts that they're handing out. And I feel like, Dan, have we had this conversation before? <laughs> I feel like I feel we've, like been we've here had before. it before. I, I feel like I feel we've like been we're... here before. I think we've had this episode like five or six times um, and we're going to do it again. <laughs> let's and do it again. Run it yeah, back. Let's run it back. Um <laughs> And the New York Mets and the San Diego Padres are underperforming. Tell me if you've heard that before. The New York Mets, as it stands today, as they play Sunday night baseball, they are currently nine games under 500 at 37 and 46 and 19 games behind the first place Atlanta Braves. 
a month ago, they were three and a half games behind the Braves, and it was panic time at that point in their fan base. Their fan base that is very rational and understands exactly what it what it means to be a rational fan. The San Diego Padres, as it stands today, after their loss, sit at eight games below 500 at 38 and 46, and 11 and a half games out of the Arizona Diamondbacks in first place. In the wild card, they both currently sit. The San Diego Padres sit eight and a half out. The New York Mets sit nine games out. They're both three and seven in their last 10. Neither are playing good baseball. They're both behind the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're both behind the Chicago Cubs. They're both behind the Cincinnati Reds. And we could go on and on about the teams that were not expected or did not hand out $40 million a year contracts to some superstar players. So, Dan, I'll just put it as simple as to you. We've been away from this for a while and and we're coming back in. What is going on and is there a fix? No. Uh, for the Mets, no. I think the Mets are, are, are kind of drowning. I think they're out to sea. I think that um, it, it, they're too far gone. I just don't see – they're 10 games under five hundred. As far as the division goes, you're chasing down you know, the best team in baseball. So that's done, right? Like we can all agree that the division's over. The division's over probably for – everyone except for maybe the Marlins. And after what you saw this weekend, I wouldn't understand how like something catastrophic would have to happen. But even for the wild card, I mean, you look at where they're sitting and they're just in such a bad spot. When you start looking at the wild card and, and yeah, there's friends, but when you have to hop that many teams and you have yet to show through 81, like 81 games is a good enough sample size here. And we're past that point now. And you have yet to play a consistent style of baseball, brand of baseball, get contributions for guys you are seriously counting on. Like even if they – and they probably will go on a nice run. Well, they'll have a three-week stretch, maybe even a four-week stretch where they play pretty good. But you are talking about in order to get to the playoffs, all those teams you're chasing have to have a worse stretch than you or else you're not making up any ground in the wild card race in the playoff chase. And so when you get to this point in the season and you are this far gone and then when you look at all the other factors with the Mets, which just makes it even kind of more sad, it's almost like a tragedy um, – if you were, if, if this was Hollywood, it would be a tragedy because it's like you see just like Buck Showalter, manager of the year. He brought like the discipline. He was great. He, he pulled every right lever last year. The lineups were great. It was fun. Like they're calling for his head. It's every move is blowing up. The media is mad at him. The mark, the fans are mad at him. The whole market's like questioning him that, to the point where the national media is now questioning him and like. Every move he pulled, I mean, what happened in Philadelphia, the collapse last week when they they blew that eighth inning and they gave up one hit. They gave up four runs on one hit. And then you look at, you know, guys like Daniel Vogelbach. Remember after the trade deadline last year when it was so cute and we were all laughing about watching him score from first base because everything was going right? Now they want this yeah. guy's head on a platter because he's not good. Like, Dan, for no other reason than But Daniel he's also Vogelbach not as bad as that, form that as, fan as, base makes him out to be. He's a valuable. That's big my point. Leader. He's done nothing other than perform to his career norm. He's performed like, worse than his is. career and norms. He, he's been. He was bad this year for stretches. Unless he's okay, been, sure. He, I mean, he's not getting the at bat. He's played in sixty games. He hasn't gotten the at bats yeah. that he had gotten with some of the bad teams he had played on before. Where, yeah, typically he would have you know thirteen home runs at the break, but he had also would have played in eighty games in the past. 
Yeah. Like, so I, I just think, and then you look, I mean, we've been calling for it. The lineup construction. Look, that was a team that relied heavily on batted ball luck last year. And the batted ball luck has reversed, which is what happens, which everyone who wants to, to argue that just put the ball in play crowd, the contact crowd, the, the people who yell for at us for talking about average exit velocity and hitting the ball hard. Like, this is why, because that's what wins consistently year over year. The variance in having batted ball luck is what kills you. And they are just, I mean, they're collapsing. on. I knew it was really bad when you saw them collapse in Philly. You knew it was, I like, I knew it was really, they were really bad when you can just see them trying to must make, turn everything into the turnaround game. Every time they win a game, they try and say this is the turnaround game. I mean, they beat Milwaukee last week. They ended up lose, losing the series, I believe, three or four. And the one game they win, like I saw Nimmo hit a home run in like the third inning, and he's screaming going around the bases, and then the door homers, and he's yelling at the dugout after his homer, and it's just like they that's when you know a team's grasping for straws. Like they are trying to like you know what I'm you know what I'm saying? Like every moment is the let's go, now we go moment. And I I don't mean to be laughing when I'm saying this, even though I'm enjoying every last second of of this collapse, but this is bad. It's bad. It's a bad so, team. Let's let's start with the Mets and then we'll, we'll transition into the Padres a little bit here. So you're telling me that the Mets are playing college baseball. That's why they're the let's go crowd. Um, so that, that'll be the only <laughs> point guess. I'll make there. There is a lot of stuff to unpack from, from what you just said. The first thing I'll say is there was a point last year, we, we got on here not exactly 12 months from Today, it was probably closer to 11, maybe even 10, when the Mets won the series against the Braves in New York. Maybe they swept the Braves, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember exactly what it was. And Dan and I had to sit on these microphones and give the Mets some love. We had to give the Mets some affection. But we prefaced everything with what we said with, but the Braves aren't going away. The Braves aren't going away. And since that day, we'll have to re-pull up the, the records from that day. From that day, the Mets have proceeded to blow the division lead that I don't know exactly what it was from that point in time and then go 19 games back in 2023. So, Dan, I'm not going to sit there and say we were right, but I'm going to sit here and say we were right. And just for anybody out there, and the Mets finished the season last year fine. What They win 102 games, and obviously the Braves plus played the best baseball that they could play, but the Braves have carried that into this year. And you want to talk about the batted ball luck. I saw somebody on Twitter, and, and not that they were complaining, but they were pointing some things out, saying that this year in terms of run differential, the Mets have been un, quote-unquote unlucky. Well, you could also tie their 102-win season last year to luck, to batted ball luck, and I get it. There is benefits to things like putting the ball in play to the lineups that have a lot of guys that can impact the game in in different ways that aren't the three true outcomes. And, you know, a lineup built on, you know, all Pete Alonzo's wouldn't be athletic enough to win a World Series, whatever you want to say, right? And there's definitely value in those things, but – the guys that had the success last year, right? The Jeff McNeils of the world, Brandon Nimmo to a lesser extent, he has a pretty high floor. He's able to get on base. Francisco Lindor, we're seeing a lot more of the same guy, that 755 OPS guy. He does hit some home runs. He's pushing upwards of 20 right now. He's 17, but 
not really anything special, 248 average, and really good shortstop. There's no denying that. They end up getting rid of Eduardo Escobar, and it just seems like everything that could go wrong with this team is going wrong. And it's something that's very interesting, and I don't think you can keyhole it on anything. I think roster construction's a start, right? Don't put 40-year-old starting pitchers on a roster making $40 million a year. I think I saw that... From the Braves, it was like every player you could imagine, right? Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna, um, Ozzy Albies, Matt Olson, all of these guys. Every single player you think of when you think of the Braves combined, it was like probably 10 plus players, upwards of 15 players are making $160 million. Well, for the New York Mets, Starling Marte, Francisco Lindor, Justin Verlander, and Max Scherzer are making the same amount of basically the whole Braves team. Right. So when you factor all those things in, the roster construction's flawed. They thought they were going to throw money at free agents, old free agents, their free agents, whoever it was. And it just hasn't clicked. It hasn't been right. It's not a homegrown built. They weren't, they didn't want to trade prospects. So they end up with Daniel Vogelback. It puts you in a very weird spot. And it's very hard to get out of that rut. And it seems like they're having a hard time right now as they continue to play just frustrating baseball frustrating to be a fan it's frustrating to to watch the team struggle and as i kind of pandered there i gave time dan enough time to calculate what the braves record has been since we posted that episode so what is it so that episode came out on august 7th of 2020 whatever two last year august 7th of last year on august 6th the mets had just completed that sweep of the braves we gave them love that they were five and a half games up on the Braves. They were 69 and 39. The Braves were 64 and 45. Okay. So that was the moment when they had kind of declared that the season was over and they were, this was the year since that. I don't have point, to pull up the, the Braves are 93 and 43. 93. The Braves are 93 and 43. The Mets are 69 and 68. So, I mean, like, just from that moment on, they kind of, like, the, the Braves have just overtaken them. And again, everything you just said is spot on. And they backed themselves into a corner. And it's got, Steve Cohen had to do a press conference. Your owner's having a midseason press conference to talk about the state of the organization. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And, and that's what happens in a big market, right? I mean, it's New York. It's a market that's crazy. People want to talk, they want the Mets to be good. You know, they want New York to be good. It's polarizing. There's tons of people out there who love them. There's, we're not alone in being people who love watching them fail. Um, you know, I keep a lot of people in my circle who love watching the Mets fail because we all think it's funny. And it's just, it's fascinating to kind of see how it, like you don't, if this was the, I mean, we could do the same thing for the Cardinals and outside of, of the Cardinals' little bubble in the middle of the country, it's not that interesting of a storyline how bad they are. But with the Mets, it is because everything turns into like a soap opera. It's a TV show, you know, and it, it and they just it gets worse and worse and worse, and they just continue to do it to themselves. And if you want to talk baseball wise, all the things you see, like the yeah they they have been unlucky this year. They were really lucky last year. That's why. And, you know, run differential is something that evens itself out. I saw someone pointing to, oh, well, the Mets only are at a minus 18 run differential. At the time, the Phillies were at a minus six. The Marlins are kind of in the same area as the Mets, I believe. Well, 
it evens itself out, but not in favor of the Mets. The Mets are, I think, going into today, we're at minus 19. The Phillies had gotten over. The Marlins keep going down because they just went to Atlanta and got spanked. But, you know, now the Phillies are even over, you know, they've broken even on run differential. I think they're, I think it's only a plus six, but they can, as they continue to play better, their run differential continues to even out. And the Mets continue to go the other way, which kind of goes to show you that they aren't a very good team. No, Are you pulling no, up the run differential. Yeah. No, I was I was looking for something okay. that I don't think I'm going to be able to find, but um, because it wasn't loading for me. But yeah, I mean, and obviously we we could probably spend an hour on the Mets and and just going on that side. But the Padres have been the even more interesting one. Obviously, they're not the storyline that the Mets are because they're you know their fan base isn't as outspoken their owner isn't as brash they're just everything that comes with what the Mets bring the San Diego Padres don't and you know the San Diego Padres were a fun story coming in the year right they were selling out that stadium people were excited they brought in Xander Bogarts to go in with a return of Fernando Tatis and obviously the rise of Juan Soto Manny Machado and everybody involved in that and to be honest with you when we were talking about this team preseason, we said if you get good Blake Snell, you get real – the Padres are good. Like if you told me Blake Snell was going to be really good and Blake Snell has been an ace in the month of June and really since his last what, like 10 starts? He's been really, really good. Like he's been unbelievable. Yeah. And they still stink. They still stink. And I've I've seen some stuff that the, the culture's not good, that there's – you know, obviously infighting, which any underperforming organization is going to have infighting intention and, and things that go along with that. So, I, I mean, I don't know what's going on with the Padres. I, I don't know what they do at the deadline. I think the Mets, it's an easy choice. You try to get some money off the books, reset with the young guys, let those guys play every day. With the Padres, you don't go anywhere. Like Xander Bogarts is here. Manny Machado, you just locked up for his, his second extension and, and, as he plays, it looks worse and worse because he, he was as healthy and elite, and then you lock him up for longer and more money, and he, he becomes not very good, and, and he's starting to get banged up, and you worry about the age curve. Juan Soto doesn't seem like he wants to sign a long-term contract with them. I think it's more of him you know, not feeling like a fit almost at certain times. And then the rest of the roster outside of Fernando Tatis is just meh. You have underperforming superstars and then just meh. Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis have been great, and the rest of that roster just hasn't been. So what's been your uh, viewpoint on the Padres and what's been going on? This one, like there isn't – it's not obvious other than I would say that the – you just look at the roster of names, and like you look at the roster of names on the Mets, and sure, there's some guys – I mean, Scherzer and Verlander are both over 40 – Alonzo is one of the best power hitters. Lindor hasn't been Francisco Lindor that we kind of like MVP version of him since he left Cleveland. And then the rest of the roster, like it, it's kind of preference on whether or not you like this guy or that guy um, and, and value what they do. You look at the Padres roster and like universally around baseball, like Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts. Those are superstars. I don't think anyone would argue with you. And if they do, they hate the Padres, I guess. Like, I, so to see them underperform this much, and when it was April, and we were kind of overreacting a little bit in the beginning, and we talked about, you know, I, we went in depth on them, we went in depth on Soto. We were like, it'll come around, it'll come around. And this is another team where it's like, 
we're still waiting. And it's one of those yeah. things where I don't, I don't, I don't know what the right word is. I guess you kind of, I'm not surprised that you hear things about their culture coming out because how else do you explain it? It's not like these guys are having terrible years. Tatis. Yeah. It's not crazy, but it's 280, 16 homers. Soto 277. Remember when he was hitting like 190, 277 <laughs> with 15 homers and 46 RBIs and a 926 OPS. Like, oh, Juan Soto's back. Which he's he, been unreal. He said yeah, was gonna happen. <laughs> he's unbelievable. Manny Machado. Like, yeah, you want to see more out of him? He's having, you know, he's not even close to the to, to having the year that he was last year. But he's still 243 with with 11 and 36. Bogarts, I guess, is where you you would point to disappointment. So, like, offensively, to me, has, has been a big issue for them, and I think it's just been a consistency thing. Also, when you look at their slug, they're just not slugging as a team right now on the whole outside of Tatis and Soto. You don't really look at anyone's slugging numbers and are impressed. I mean, Gary Sanchez has only been there for 30 games, and he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh on the team in homers. He's been there for 30 games. So you look at guys like Bogarts who should have more juice. Jake Cronenworth, who since you know that breakout year in what was it, 20 maybe, he's kind of hasn't shown that power. And then my biggest concern on the pit was on the pitching side, and you talked about Blake Snell. Darvish has looked like, you know, Darvish has really struggled. That's hurt them, but they've gotten great stuff from Michael Walker in 15 starts. He's pitching to a sub three. Joe Musgrove's pitching to a three eight in, in 12 starts. Seth Lugo's pitching to a three five and eleven starts. The superstars need to be better, and the complimentary pieces need to do their job. When you ask me what's wrong with the Padres, it's that. The superstars have to be a little better outside of Soto. Bogarts and Machado need to start being better, and guys like Jake Cronenworth need to step up and do their job and, and, and hit the ball out of the ballpark when they have the opportunity to do so, or at least put one in the gap and run. Because the pitching, which is I thought was going to be the scapegoat for this team, you can't point to the pitching staff. Those are good. Those numbers from a guy like Michael Waka, great. Blake Snell being your ace, huge. Seth Lugo, a guy who was a a swing guy for his the entirety of his career, pretty much in New York, pitching to a three five and eleven starts for you. If you're the Padres, like you need Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts to be what you paid for, because Soto and Tatis are pretty much doing their job. They are. I mean, both are going to finish top five to ten in the MVP voting as it stands right now. And if Tatis could get his on-base percentage up, he would be literally probably competing for an MVP. Like, no no doubt. Like, you're talking about a guy in 64 game has 16 home runs, 14 steals, 280 average, and a 526 slug. Like, he's unreal. Tatis has been unreal since he's come back. Like, and this is a guy who he's, like, under the radar at this point. And like you said, Juan Soto, remember when he was hitting a buck 80 20 games into the season? Well, now over the last 64 games, he's hitting 277, and he's going to finish in the top five of the MVP. The problem with this team, and I'll ask you two things here, and I don't want to get too long-winded on the Padres because we do have some other things that we want to talk about. Machado and Bogart struggling, that's scary, right? We talk uh, – Obviously, I've made very clear very about you know my my concerns with the Trey Turner contract, right? And you see those early those early struggles in year one of what is a large contract for for both of them. But when you look at how this roster's built, and when we talk about building lineups, right? These ideal lineups, one through nine, and things like that. Could you argue that? The bigger need probably wasn't a Xander Bogarts, and it was just depth. 
Like you kind of have like these all A players, you know, elite players in terms of name value, right? When you think of top 20 hitters in baseball, it, before this season, it wouldn't have been – Four of them. Yeah, it wouldn't have been a stretch to say that they have four top 20 hitters, right? But then they have right. four top 100 pitch hitters, right? Is that – like you know what I'm saying? And like it's just like if your one through four aren't going well – if Trent Grisham and Jay Cronenworth aren't valuable, you fall off a cliff and there's nowhere you can go from there. And like you said, if you told the Padres organization that their pitching was going to be what their pitching's been, they'd think they were up on the Dodgers by four or five games. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Well, yeah, without question. I mean, again, the pitching has been kind of the surprise for them. They've done an outstanding job and they've kept them in ball games and, you know, I'm starting to like these teams who consistently try and build to just outmatch their flaws. It for some reason it doesn't ever seem to work. Like these lineups, for whatever reason, it doesn't gel. And there's always, I mean, kind of look at the Phillies right now. The Phillies they've been hot and they had a great June again, but that's another terrible April and May. You're not getting the production out of Swarber that you had hoped. You're not getting the production out of Turner, Real Mutual, like. Again, they're trying to outmatch flaws, and and it, that's how you lose a series to the Nats. It's not surprising when the Phillies lose a series to the Nationals because it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you can't just expect to do that every day. You need to have a complete roster and be balanced all the way throughout, like in Atlanta. If you want to compete with the Braves and you look at them, you look at the Rays, you look at the Rangers, look how they go about and win games. The thing with the depth for the Padres is they've just underperformed. Like, for, for a team that had no young guys coming up because of the moves they've made the past couple of years and just cleared out their minor league system, to sit there and say, like, here's, you know, here's your depth pieces, Hassan Kim, Jake Cronenworth, Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter, Trent Grisham, David Dahl, I'd be like, good job. Like, you built, like, okay, I got those yeah. four guys who I can put in the top in the middle of my lineup and build that, and then those guys to – and they just haven't performed. Those guys need to be better. Like, yeah, Machado and Bogarts deserve heat, but Grisham 209 with a 318 on base, Cronenworth 28 with a 311 on base. Both guys are open, Grisham barely over 700, Cronenworth 656. No slug, no slug. Matt Carpenter 180 with a 327 slug. David Dahl hasn't played all year, he's been hurt and up and down. I Hassan Kim's done a, a fine job for being a glove first guy to, to hit 258 and have a 346 on base and a 418 slug. Like he's done his job, so it's not him. But those other guys, it's terrible. The fact that like we're sitting here talking about Gary Sanchez being one of their best slug guys at 462 in 30 games. How did we get to this point? Yeah. So let me so- ask you this real quick. It's fun to revisit this. Sorry. Just real quick, Turner, Bogarts, Machado, what contract would you want? None. No, I've, um, yeah, me neither. <laughs> me um, neither. <laughs> um, I guess I, I, I still might say Machado. <laughs> I mean, gone it's to tough. my I mean, head. Unfortunately, for gone to again, my head, factoring in before the season as well. Water like, gun trying to. Try try to factor in like all like evaluation and things like that. I still think, and I know I said this, Bogarts hit tool plays long term better than the other two, 
right? Like Machado and Turner are both free swingers, right? Um, Chase a lot. Bogarts is kind of that contact first guy. But then you worry, like, what if Bogarts is losing his legs? Like if Bogarts is losing his legs, then he's not going to provide power and he just becomes, you know. trouble. Yeah, like like a just a high average guy who's relying on batted ball luck. We've talked about the the inconvenience and invariance of that. So honestly, probably Machado because I trust the power the most out of those three. And if there's any skill set, we've seen guys make careers later who, you know, I'm gonna hit two hundred and slug, right? You know, he could do that. He very well. Um, And I think he's athletic enough to reinvent himself into that player. So Machado would be my guy there because, you know, shortstops paying premium value for shortstops that can't play shortstop or for those two guys who might not have their legs or their power or anything. That's scary. I think Machado's skill set probably holds firm for the longest time and he's dealt with injuries for the first time in his career in a while since the ACL tears so you can at least draw it back to that so probably the Machado contract and I, I will you know to your point there I'm I would say Machado too and, and power you know, best of best defender of the three and I think most power of all of them and the, those things seem to age more than Better. the kind of the profiles of Bogarts and Turner I will say this too if any of these three guys play to their potential in the second half, no one will remember this. No, they won't. No one will remember. Mm-mm. Bogarts seemed like like people were trying to ink that contract as the best thing ever when he was hitting three twenty and at the end of April, and two weeks he, into the year, yeah, yeah, like he was like, and everybody was like, "This is this team's great." Like, wait till Soto gets gone. Well, Soto's done hit his thing, like, and. So here I'm going to I'm going to flip it back on you and and we're going to I'm going to ask you a question. Do you trade Juan Soto? <sighs> no, I pay him. If that guy like again, I'm sorry. If I What if he if doesn't want to be Soto's there? Soto's ever in my uniform. Well, then 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 you have if, if he tells you flat out there's nothing you can do to re-sign me, then yeah, then yeah, you trade him because that's kind of, you know, then if you're not going to resign him, then get rid of him and get something. You're, you'll get a huge haul for him just so you can recoup and kind of reset your farm system after what you had to give up to get him. But if there's a chance that I resign him and I think I can, then no, I'm never letting well, you could you could trade him and then sign him back like the Yankees did with Chapman. That's that's dangerous. Cause my my whole philosophy on a lot of this is if I get a, a player, especially of Juan Soto's caliber, like we're talking about the one percent. If I get a player of that caliber in my uniform, I don't ever want him to take it off, right? Like that's like he needs to I want to keep him around for as long as possible. But I can see I can see the other side of it of why you would trade him considering the situation you're in, the way it's played out, and the fact that I've said I've used this reference four or five times on this podcast we could suit up for their farm system right now. So, so, and you could you could recoup some of that. But here's the thing. If you're A.J. Preller and you're making that deal, are you really – how do you ex- – are you explaining to the fan base that we're trading Soto for a bunch of prospects or are you going to want big league talent back in return? And then that makes the whole thing more complicated. I don't think you can get big league talent back for him at this point in time for the people that would pay for him. Right. Like the, for just the matchup, right. Like 
two and a half years is a little different than a year and a half, right? We talk about that with especially Otani at the deadline last year was, you know, what kind of haul does that look like? And that's a two-way player. So, yeah, I I think that part of me has this gut feeling that Soto doesn't want to stay there long term um, just for whatever reason. I, I know insider intel, um, just gut feel, right? Gut feel that there are that he's gonna at least explore free agency. And if you're not guaranteed to at least get him to sign a contract before he hits free agency, you have to at least entertain trading him, right? And I think from a San Diego Padres organization, if you're AJ Preller and you're telling me that you take one of these guys out of the lineup and you're stuck with the other three for 10 more years and it's Juan Soto, I think he's going to feel like he failed at his job. And like I think that that's going to be a tough thing to realize is that you have Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts locked up for the next 10. Fernando Tatis is pretty darn close to the next 10, if not the next 10, and you're letting Juan Soto walk. And, and Juan Soto is probably the only guy – Outside of Tatis, obviously Tatis is is great. Out of those three, Bogarts, Machado, and Soto, that you would want. Like you would trade both Machado and Bogarts to get that money off the books to free it up for Juan Soto and potentially go in that direction. So it'll be interesting to see because I do think he's going to pursue. And the other thing is, is if you're the organization that trades for him and makes this necessary investment, like let's just say hypothetically the New York Yankees trade for him and move top prospects that are of a, of um, value to the San Diego Padres. And this is, I don't understand why organized like the Yankees have to be accepting the fact that they're going to pay Soto what it takes to lock him up in, in pinstripes for the next 10 to 15 have years. To. Like have to, no questions asked. Like if you're making that trade, it's blank check status. You want 450? Here's 450. Come play for us. Like you want four. You know, obviously nothing egregious. Like if he's like 600, okay, that's a stretch. But if Soto's like, I want 13 years, 450, you sign that deal and you move on with your life and and you have Judge and Soto in the middle of your lineup for the next a billion years. You better do a really good job if you're A.J. Preller and the Padres trading with the Yankees. And and this might get me in trouble here for saying this, but I feel like a lot of times Yankee prospects get a little inflated. Yeah, for if you're from our that perception move to there, you right. You better you, you better, better get your you, looks. You better really internally. You better really do a good job before you pull that trigger. But man, the, could the Yankees use the on base and slug that Juan Soto brings? Wow, they could they could use that right now. <laughs> Yes. Speaking of the Yankees and speaking of our friends over at SeatGeek, my brother and I decided to get a Father's Day gift for our father. We do this on a year-to-year basis where we try to get tickets to any different sporting events. And we had we went over to our friends at SeatGeek and we used promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL, obviously for all of our ticketing needs. SeatGeek.com is our friend. And we were able to use our promo code here, Backside Ground Ball. We were supporting the podcast. You know, we were talking about it like, hey, you know, we really like this podcast that that we do. And my brother was like, yeah, I do like the podcast that you do. And and try to give throw a little support your way and use the promo code Backside Ground Ball. And we received $20 off your purchase. So we get to spend a nice little father day, Father's Day present next Sunday, a week from today. We're going to be at Yankee 
Stadium watching the the New York Yankees take on the Chicago Cubs. Uh, nice little day game in the Bronx. And we were able to use our friends at SeatGeek. And so can you for any of your ticket needs. Taylor Swift is still on tour. If anybody wants to go get $20 off of a billion, you can still get it. Um, and if you want to head to a baseball game as we round out the summer, obviously SeatGeek is your friend. Use promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL and you can receive $20 off your first purchase. Uh, so, Dan, you got a little segment that you want to do, so the mic's in your on your floor and, and we're going to get into it. Yeah, we're going to bring back a little blind resume here. Um, We did it a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was about a month ago now. I'm going to give you some resumes, and I just want you to tell me what player you're going with and maybe why, and then we'll we'll tell you what resumes that were just read to you. Um, We're going to start on the mound. First guy here in 107 and two-thirds innings has a 2.76 ERA with 92 strikeouts, uh, a 1.09 whip. He average exit velocity against 27th percentile expected batting average 37th percentile K percentage 36th percentile wall percentage 43rd percentage. However, barrel percentage 95th percentile. You would imagine with those numbers and all those other stats I just read that he doesn't get barreled very often. That's why his numbers are so good. Uh, expected slug 76th percentile. Um, the next guy, I almost said his name, um, 101 and a third innings, four ERA, 96 strikeouts, a 113 whip. Average exit velocity against, 92nd percentile, expected batting average, 60th percentile, K percentage, 48th, walk, 47th, chase, 73rd, uh, with 60th barrel, 73rd. If there's any other ones you want, I can give them to you. Um, can you give both whiff percentages? Yes, so resume two sixtieth percentile with percentage, resume one thirty first percentile with percentage. What was the expected ERA in percentiles? <laughs> um, expected ERA in percentiles, resume one sixty third, and resume two sixty fifth. So they're right around the same there. Yeah, give me resume too. I'm going to take him, even with his 4.0 whatever ERA, because their expected stats are the same. And I believe it's Corbin Burns versus Marcus Stroman. Very good. That's impressive. Very impressive <laughs> out of you. It was Marcus Stroman was resume one, and Corbin Burns was resume two. That was a. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty impressive name drop there. Uh, Trevor getting those two right was brought to you by our friends over at Routine Baseball. Routine Baseball, all the best performance gear for you for this summer. Shirts, hoodies, shorts, sunglasses, hats, any style you could imagine. I love my routine stuff. I wear it all the time. And you can too go to routine.com backslash backside ground ball and at checkout, you can receive 10% off your order today. Again, that is uh, routine.com backslash backside ground ball um, for 10% off your order today. All right, you ready for number two? That was impressive. You ready for number two? <laughs> Do you want me to explain why? I mean, just, I mean, I think Marcus Sure, Sherman's yeah, yeah. I'm if, not, you, if there's I'm a not reason, taking I just it. thought it was because yeah. you... No, I, I think Marcus Stroman's been great. I think he's something that everybody should be 
Super, like he's a he's a unique pitcher in the game today, right? We're it's all about awesome. the whiffs, and and he's been able to keep the ball on the ground and and limit barrels. And I think that's something that it, there is value in it, right? But again, batted ball luck, the success of that, it's it's tough to be consistent with it. Corbin Burns, the main thing that I'm still bought in on Corbin Burns, obviously regression to the mean is a part of it, but the difference between whiff percentage and K percentage, when your whiff percentage is higher than your K percentage, something's going to cancel out. So the K percentage, yes, is worrisome for Corbin Burns, but the 63rd percentile, 60th percentile, whatever it was for whiff percentage tells me that there's he's just not getting those punch outs. When he reins it in, as he continues to regress towards the mean, he's going to be the Corbin Burns that we've all seen. Plus, he misses barrels at an elite rate, so your floor there is pretty good. I love Marcus Stroman. I, I think he's been great for the Cubs this year. I think he's been a lot of fun, but I think in terms of who's going to be the better one moving forward, I'll take Corbin Burns' regression to the mean, especially because both of their expected ERAs are similar spots as it stands right now. Yeah, and I think uh, Sturman's been outstanding. And, and if you want like a really fun visual to kind of explain why, if you just look at his heat maps on Savant, like he just mm-hmm. has not he's not thrown the ball over the plate, over the heart of the yeah. plate at all. With any he throw, guy throws six pitches, he's frustrating guys with with movement, and he's frustrating guys with change of speed, and none of it is in the heart of the plate in in danger yeah. zones. Uh, he's been fantastic. Um, all right, we're going to go on the offensive side. If you can name these two, this will be impressive. Uh, resume one is a 241 average, 339 on base, 514 slug, 853 OPS, 22 homers, 47 RBIs. Um, I'll tell you right now, neither one of these guys are base dealers. Um, he also has, sorry, he has 16 doubles. He has a 67th percentile on average, average exit below, 95th in max exit below, 61st in hard hit, 89th in expected on base, uh, 93rd expected slug, 92 barrel uh, percentage, 45th in K percentage, 84th in walk percentage, 37th in whiff. You're kind of getting a picture of that player. Resume 2. Uh, 259 average, 302 on base, 563 slug, 865 OPS, 19 home runs, and sorry, my math is is struggling today. 19 doubles um, with 91st percentile average exit below, 80th max, 94th hard hit percentile, 92nd uh, expected on base, 98th expected slug. 96 barrel percentage, and then 11th K percentage, 15th walk percentage. Is one of them Jack Sawinski? Good first halves out of both of these guys. Neither one are Jack Sawinski. Okay. I wouldn't get I, I thought the second one was Jack Sawinski, but that, that was close. That's very similar mm-hmm. to Jack Sawinski's savant page. Um, so what are the on-base percentages? 302 for um, resume two resume and 339 two. for resume one. Both these, this one I thought was fun because both these, they're, they're very, like, they're having very similar years. And I think they're yeah. thought of very differently because of track record. Yeah, I would say resume, resume two as it stands right now for my preference um, because I don't, the whiff percentage, both are below league average. One is obviously closer to the average and in terms of, 
consistency as a hitter. Obviously, the whiff percentage or K percentage, whichever one you used, um, is because you said 44th percentile and 11th percentile, if I remember correctly. 11th. Um, yeah, so that's obviously worrisome a little bit. The average so is a little lower. So you want resume one. Oh, okay. resume two. I got you. Um, I got you. I got you. But yeah. when you look at the expected slug, you're talking about 98th percentile expected slug, 94th percentile hard hit percentage. I'm assuming it's something above 95th percentile in terms of the barrel percentage as well. The whiffs are what brings the average down. The on base percentage could be better. It's still a hundred point difference. So you're talking about a guy who has a really good on base. They're about the same in terms of on base that's actually factored in by getting on base right um not average not getting hits so that difference between on base and average is a big deal and the slug is obviously elite i mean you're looking at what a 360 iso between average and slug it's 208 average 360 or 560 slug uh 259 average 560 slug on resume one resume Oh no, resume two. Sorry, two fifty nine yeah. average and five sixty three slug. Resume one is two forty one and five fourteen. So, oh, yeah. I thought he was hitting two oh eight. Yeah, two fifty nine. Give me resume two. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I misspoke. I could have. That's a lot of numbers there. Do you want to know who these guys are? Of course. Resume one is Jorge Soler, who's had a big reason why the Great Marlins year. continue to Great win games yeah. because they have finally ha- – yeah, he's fine. They finally have that that power bat in the middle of that order who can actually do damage. And when you got a guy like Luis Arias on base um, ha- you know, over half the time, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you opportunities to, to score runs. And then the second guy is J.D. Martinez, who's having uh, – just continues to be – a pro's pro, man. The guy has done damage for years, and um, he goes out to L.A., and it was kind of not really talked about when he signs out there. I think he signed only a one-year deal with the Dodgers, and he's going to start in the All-Star game, and he's having another you know, fantastic first half. Yeah, J.D.'s been great. That's good. That was a good one. Both of those guys have been great. Soler's been good, too. Um, he's been a huge piece Both of that lineup, yeah, yeah. but yep. J.D.'s been phenomenal. D2 baseball player, never forget. Never forget, never forget. You got any more blind resumes for our fans? That's it. That's it. That's we, it. We ran with four today. Any cl- any closing thoughts before we before we let our <laughs> listeners get out of here? Uh, I hope everybody enjoys the holiday. If you have to work tomorrow, I'm sorry. I'll just know that Trevor and I will be suffering with you. But um, enjoy your day off on Tuesday. Um yeah, get outside. You know, have a have a burger. Are you a hot dog guy on the Fourth of July, Trev? Not really. Yeah, that might be the only time. Yeah, not really. Not really. I'd be for a I'm burger. A I'm not big one either. I, Give me some good, wings. I'll, yeah, well, always wings. I could eat wings on a Tuesday in freaking November, not right. on Fourth of July. Oh, but for sure, for sure. Right. I'll yes. cr- you know, yeah. at a ballpark, if it's the only thing I got, I'll eat a hot dog. Like maybe once a year am I like, you know, I could go for a hot dog, but I don't go out of my way for hot dogs. I'll tell you that much. Burgers, no, I, I like a good burger. Never. So I'm hot and cold with burgers. I'd rather like a what's good your, What's your perfect – so like you're picking the spread. We got a couple minutes before we hit the hour mark here. 
4th of July spread, you're on the grill, you're in the kitchen, all on you, you pick the menu. What's the spread? Oh, it's easy. We're we're gonna do you know we're gonna do wings. We're gonna probably do some ribs. Um, we're gonna do um, some vegetables on the grill, zucchini, corn on the grill. Everything. Throw that all on the grill. Uh, and then like I wanna I want I need I need a you know another starch outside of corn. Um, so you know maybe do some like fried potatoes or potato salad. I'm a huge potato salad guy. And then I want some other salads too. I want like a. a cucumber and tomato salad with some onion in there, oil, vinegar, salt, pepper, and then a nice cold uh, string bean salad. Same thing, onion, oil, vinegar, salt, pepper. That's my spread. Nice, nice little variety. I like it. What about you? I like it. Yeah, I'm a big kebab guy. So I'd like some, if I had it, picking outdoor. On the 4th of July barbecue, you're going kebabs. Kebabs, yeah. Fire me up with some kebabs, mix in the veggies and the and the meat there. So I'm going to go with kebabs. That's what my family does. I don't know if it's Memorial Day or 4th of July. I'm drawing a blank. It's been a while since I've actually been present for those events. Um, and <laughs> so, I, but we like, we do those a lot on the grill. Um, so I'm a big fan there. Um, I'm a huge fried potato guy. Corn on the cob definitely would be included there. And then if wings are an option, definitely wings. I'm a I'm a huge fan of some wings, so that'll be that'll be the spreads. We'll be we'll be dreaming about it because neither of us will be eating that. No, neither one of us will be eating that. I will be at the beach on Tuesday though, so yeah, it, that's like a good trade off. No, that's a really good trade off. That's a, that's a really good trade. I I take the beach and I'd eat a peanut butter and I'd eat three uncrustables for dinner to be at the beach yeah. on Tuesday. To be honest with you, um, but obviously enjoy the holiday to all our listeners. Hopefully, you'll get something as good as the spread that Dan or I mentioned. If those are what you're interested in, keep an eye out this week. We have a really fun episode, a couple different episodes that we have planned that we're definitely super excited about. So keep an eye out. Make sure you're subscribed subscribing to the podcast. The one thing I'll say is if you're listening at this point, subscribe to the YouTube as well. Working hard, we put full form video content out there for our podcast. So if you like looking at our beautiful faces on video form, by all means, head to the YouTube. You can watch it. Or if you want some shorter clips and things like that, or just subscribe. Just help the algorithm out. Just make sure you're subscribing to us on YouTube, but also subscribing to us on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. We post our episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, always hitting your feed at 7 a.m. sharp. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. Most importantly, make sure you head up to your local Apple store, find all the phones in there, and subscribe on all of the phones in the Apple store to the podcast and make sure you're sharing with five friends as well. And that one, we'll see you guys next time on the backside ground balls podcast. Great news. Major league baseball is back. The college baseball season continues to electrify and with the help of our friends over at seat geek. We can get you out to whatever game you want to see. All you need to do is head over to seat geek, find your game you want to go to and enter promo code backside ground ball to get $20 off your first purchase. Maybe you want to go see some NBA or NHL playoffs. I don't know. Maybe you want to go to a concert with the weather warming up throughout the country. No matter what event you're looking to go to, our friends at SeatGeek can hook you up 
with the best deals. Great seats at an affordable price. You can't beat it. Make sure to enter promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL for $20 off. That's SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL.